Well, we are continuing our series in the Gospel of Mark, and today we'll pick up at Mark chapter 9, verses 30 through 50. We'll finish out chapter 9 together, thinking about true greatness. So listen now for God's word to us today. Mark writes, They left that place and passed through Galilee. Jesus did not want anyone to know where they were because he was teaching his disciples. He said to them, the son of man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. They will kill him and after three days he will rise. But they did not understand what he meant. They were afraid to ask him about it. They came to Capernaum. When he was in the house, he asked them, what were you arguing about on the road? They kept quiet. Because on the way, they had argued about who was the greatest. Sitting down, Jesus called the twelve and said, Anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and the servant of all. He took a little child and he placed among them. Taking the child in his arms, he said to them, Whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me does not welcome me, but welcomes the one who sent me. Teacher, said John, we saw someone driving out demons in your name, and we told him to stop, because he was not one of us. Do not stop him, Jesus said, for no one who does a miracle in my name can then, in the next moment, say something bad against me. For whoever is not against us is for us truly i tell you anyone who gives you a cup of water in my name because you belong to the messiah will certainly not lose their reward if anyone causes one of these little ones those who believe in me to stumble it would be better for them if a large millstone were tied around their neck and they were thrown into the sea if your hand causes you to stumble Cut it off. It's better for you to enter life maimed than with two hands to go to hell where the fire never goes out. And if your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off. It's better for you to enter life crippled than to have two feet and to be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to stumble, pluck it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom with one eye than to have two eyes and to be thrown into hell where the worms that eat them do not die and the fire is not quenched. Everyone will be salted with fire. Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can you make it salty again? Have salt among yourselves. And be at peace with one another. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In his book, The Purpose Driven Life, Rick Warren begins it, the very first sentence, begins it this way. It's not about you. It's not about you. 
and you know, it's not about me either. But human nature, as fallen creatures, human nature is such is that we are egocentric. And we do tend to think and act oftentimes like it is about us. Underneath the outer facade we may put up, we are, we are all proud. We are all selfish. We often get angry when we don't get things our way. We often feel hurt when people don't acknowledge us or respect us in the, the way that we expect. We often struggle to get along relationally with others, even the people we love. I mean, are we not like this sometimes? I mean, I know I am, right? And that same, that same spirit of it's all about me is found in the, the passage today from Mark 9. Did, did you hear that with the disciples, what they were discussing on the road, right? Jesus asked them what they're talking about, but they're kind of quiet in the house when he asks because they had been arguing about who was the greatest. It was their it's all about me conversation. What a thing to do, right? They've just returned from some quiet time, receiving teaching from Jesus. He has just instructed them. He said, the Son of Man is going to die. He is going to be delivered into the hands of men. They will kill him. Imagine. If someone close to you, someone you love, if they were to share with you that they were going to die, how would you react? I mean, probably you would ask them about it. You would want to learn more about what's going on. Maybe you would cry with them in the sadness you would have hearing about their impending death. You, um, you would want to assure them about how much you love them, how you're going to miss them. Right? That would be kind of normal things to do if someone you love told you they were going to die. But not the disciples. They focus on themselves. They focus on what they are going to get rather than what Jesus is going to give. They focus on their status, who's the greatest, and not on his sacrifice. They focus on their fulfillment and not on his, not on his surrender. How different than Jesus. How ugly. So Jesus sits them down. And he calls the disciples to himself. It's a very important moment here. And um, he wants his disciples, and he wants, he wants us as well to get this. That if we are going to follow him, that we must become like him. And that greatness isn't about position or influence or success, or fulfillment, but rather he's teaching that the greatest in his kingdom is the one who serves, is the one who is the servant of all, is how he says it. Are, are you a follower of Jesus? Yeah, yeah, amen, right, are you a follower of Jesus? Well, that's how Jesus wants you to live. As a servant of all. So, we're going to look at that today. We're going to look at the marks of a servant of all. Three marks of one 
who serves. And the first is this, that a servant of all gives a wide welcome. A wide welcome. Now, I wonder, the disciples were arguing on the road about who was the greatest, and I wonder if that argument was sparked off by the transfiguration. If you remember, we read that. We studied that a few weeks back. But in the transfiguration, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, took them to the Mount of Transfiguration to to see a glimpse of his glory. And so you can kind of imagine that when they came back down off the mountain and and, um, gathered with the other disciples, maybe they had a little bit of attitude like Jesus chose us. We are the special ones that got taken to the Mount of Transfiguration to catch a glimpse of his glory. And he probably did that because when his kingdom fully comes, we three are going to have special roles, sort of be, you know, be up there in leadership and you better treat us well because we'll be looking after you then right something like that and then the argument probably ensued right after that conversation and the disciples were probably also aware of how other communities operated for example the Qumran community annually ranked their members Right? So it would be kind of like if we at Union Church every year annually, I don't know, maybe at the annual meeting, we ranked all of our members from the best to the worst, from number one to number whatever. You know? And every year you could see, like, I don't know, Gisela, you know, well, she was number eight last year, but she, she dropped to number 15. Mm, better get, get on it, right? Oh, and uh, Eduardo here, he's kind of gone up the ranks a little bit. You could, you, I mean, can you imagine, right? But... But they were probably aware that these went on, these processes went on in certain communities. And, and so they're, they're thinking about who's the greatest, who's doing the best. But Jesus says no. Jesus says, if you want to follow me, you must be the servant of all. Don't worry about the rankings. Don't worry about who's number one. If you want to follow me, you must be a servant of all. And then to make his point, Jesus brings a child among them. Now, unlike today, where we kind of put, you know, we can sometimes like put, elevate children up. um, In Jesus' day, the elderly were, were honored. But little children were insignificant and unimportant. They, nobody asked their opinion. Nobody thought about their status. They had no influence. But, but Jesus takes this child in his arms and he brings the child into the midst of the disciples and he says, whoever welcomes one of these little children welcomes me. Union Church, how wide is our welcome? If the seat beside you is empty this morning, Is there someone you would not want to sit next to you? Who is not worthy of your time and of your attention? Now, of course, we're we're a pretty polite group of people. So if that person came and sat next to you, you would probably smile. You would probably make a little conversation with them, right? But you wouldn't want to go any farther with it. And then, flip that, flip that over, then there are those people that we do want to 
give our time and attention to. We do want to be friendly to them, right? We do want to be noticed by them. I mean, they're people of influence. They're people of power. There might be a strategic relationship for the future. They might be able to help us with something down the way. But Jesus loves, and he welcomes all, particularly those from the margins of society, those who are often overlooked, those who are often despised. Now, I say all that. I don't think Jesus is calling us to be best friends of everyone. Don't worry. But he is calling us to be servants. And servants have a wide welcome, even if it's costly. It may cost you your reputation. It may mean the priorities of your life need some rearranging. But while you're wondering whether to bother with this, look. Look around and see who are you welcoming. Do you have a wide welcome? Jesus said, whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me doesn't really welcome me, but welcomes the one who sent me. It's a big welcome. So Union Church, can we see past the differences? Can we see past the prejudices? Can we welcome that person? Servants of all are to be marked by a wide welcome. Also, servants of all are to be marked by humble teamwork. Humble teamwork. In verse 38, Jesus says, I'm sorry, in verse 38, John says, he says, teacher, we saw someone driving out demons in your name, and we told him to stop because he was not one of us. The disciples had been arguing among themselves. They had been fighting about who was the greatest, but now they encounter this man, and, and now they're all together, and it's us against them. And look at what they do, right? They compare themselves to this man driving out demons. They see it like it's a competition. They, they are jealous of what he is doing. And in fact, they don't even seem to be happy for the person who was demon-possessed, who has now been set free from these troubles. They don't seem, even seem to care about that, right? They're just, they, they don't respond in humility. They don't praise this man for what he's done. They just see he's not one of us. He's not one of us. Um, and so they try to control him. They try to stop him. They, basically, they bully him. I mean, it's 12 against 1, right? Don't do this. It's a kind of tribalism. And I mean, we see that kind of tribalism a lot in the world today and even in the church today, right? But this man, I mean, he's acting in Jesus' name. He's depending on Jesus. He's serving for Jesus. God's purposes are wider than the disciples. They're bigger than you and me. The disciples drew lines to exclude. Jesus draws circles 
to include, to draw us in. And Jesus responds to this this issue John brings. He says, don't stop the man. No one who does a miracle in my name can then turn around and say anything bad about me. Whoever is not against us is for us. That's humble teamwork. Union Church, do we ever view other Christians or other ministries or other churches, right, as like, they're not one of us? Or do we view them as fellow servants of all? If they're not against us, they're for us. Jesus hears the gracious words we say about other Christians, other churches, other ministries. He sees those acts of service that you do, even if they are small, even if they are very ordinary. He sees them. It's not about us. It's about him. So, servants of all are marked. They are marked by a wide welcome by humble teamwork. And finally, today what we see is that humble, I'm I'm sorry, servants of all, they are marked by radical holiness. They are marked by radical holiness. In these final words today, Jesus is very serious. In verse 42, he says, if anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me, to stumble, it would be better for them if they had a a huge millstone tied around their neck and were thrown into the sea. Like, that's not a good situation. But if you cause one of these little ones to stumble, that would be better for you, Jesus says. You see how precious these little ones are to Jesus. You see how precious are those brothers and sisters he holds in his arms. They are dear to him. And yet we often overlook them. We often feel like we must compete with them. Or we often don't serve them. For Jesus, that's a serious issue. He says, if you hinder them, you are going to end up in, excuse me, you are going to end up in hell. To the contrary. He says, if you help them, if you minister to them, if you love them with a wide welcome and humble teamwork, right? You're going to be in God's kingdom. Sounds better. And so... If that is the case, we should take these words of Jesus very seriously, very much to heart, right? We must take radical action. Let me give you an example. You might remember, you might remember that there used to be a huge tree, or actually it was like three huge trees kind of on the corner of the church property, right over there by the rotunda. Y'all remember that? Maybe you're new and you missed those trees, but there were huge trees right over there on the corner. They were grand, they were beautiful, they provided shade, they provided a home for the birds of the air, right? Green space in our very urbanized corner. I liked those trees. When my family, when we first arrived here in 2021, you may have forgotten, but there was a humongous project going on here at the church, right? We dug up all the ground of the church, it seemed like. Um, The courtyard, the parking lot. And the reason was because of those trees. 
And, and the, the roots of those trees were damaging the foundation. They were damaging the utilities, the water lines, the sewage lines. They were doing a lot of stuff. In fact, there's a big hump in the back of the sanctuary that you probably walk over each week, maybe stumble over sometimes. It's got some yellow tape on it. That's because of the roots of those trees, right? The roots were very, very damaging. And so these repairs were made around the church property to try to manage the roots, to try to control the roots, trim the trees a little bit, all of that kind of thing. But finally, it was decided that trimming the trees, pruning the trees, controlling the roots, managing the trees was not going to be enough. Those trees had to go. A radical solution, right? They had to be removed entirely. Jesus says, that sin that causes you to stumble, cut it out. Remove it. It's a radical solution to a serious problem, just like those trees. That sin that causes other people to stumble, cut it out. Remove it entirely. Don't try to trim it. Don't try to prune it. Don't try to manage it. Don't try to control it. Get the chainsaw out. Better a little blood on the ground than your body in the fire in good health. Jesus, I don't think he's speaking literally here. I think he's speaking figuratively. But it's still real. And it's still serious. Our hands. What are our hands doing that is sinful? Right? You might say, Pastor, it makes me happy. No. Stop it. Don't do it. Your feet. Where might your feet be taking you that is sinful? And we might say, but it leaves me fulfilled. No, stop it. Stop going there. Our eyes. What are our eyes looking at and longing for that is sinful? But we say, I know what I'm doing. I've got it under control. I can manage it. No. Cut them out. Or maybe our hands and our feet and our eyes. Maybe they're even doing something that is good, but it has captured our heart and taken our attention away from Jesus and his people. Those roots are going deeper and deeper. They're dangerous. It will destroy you. And it is very, very easy to fool ourselves. You know, it's only a little sin. I can manage it. It doesn't affect anyone else. But Jesus rejects that. Our sin, our complacency, our pride, our competitiveness. Jesus would say, other people will see that. It may cause them to stumble and to sin. And therefore... Servants of all must have radical holiness. You know, we're not going to be perfect, mind you. But we must keep battling against sin. It is serious.
It's painful. It can be costly. And if this world is all that there is, then, I mean, why bother controlling our hands and our feet and our eyes? We might as well enjoy ourselves, right? Eat and drink and eat. Eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die, right? If this world is all there is, but brothers and sisters, we contend that this world is not all that there is. Jesus says there is a kingdom. He says there is true life. And so those sacrifices that we make now, they will be worth it on that day that we enter his kingdom. Better to be there as cripples than to be in hell in good health. So, we're to be ruthlessly holy, radically holy. Jesus calls us to be servants of all. It's a radical call. It's a countercultural call. And it's not the call to, it's all about me. It's the call to be a humble servant. A servant of all. That's exactly who Jesus was. Those hands of Jesus, those hands that held a little child in the disciples' midst, those hands were later nailed to a cross so that we could be welcomed home. He bore our sin, He endured hell. So we don't need to go there. He served his whole life until it cost him his very life. And then he was raised to new life. And if he has done all of that for us, then when he calls each one of us, come, follow me. Let's do that. Let's do that, Union Church. Let's follow him. As servants of all, with a wide welcome, with humble teamwork, and with radical holiness. May God help us. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you. We thank you for delivering your son into the hands of sinful men. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you were willing to live for us and to die for us. And we praise you that you have been raised to new life for us. Thank you for serving us and enable us this week and in the weeks and months and years ahead to serve you and to serve others as servants of all, to deny ourselves, to take up our cross, and to follow you. Help us, Lord, to be marked by humility and generosity, by purity and holiness in all of our lives, that you would be honored and glorified. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.